Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. Have thoughts on what we should cover in a future episode? Let us know on Twitter at at Cisco Champion. All right, so today we are talking about Cisco Smart Workspaces from DNA Spaces. Smart Workspaces brings together the power of the Cisco portfolio, including Catalyst, Meraki, and WebEx to help enterprises create safer, smarter, and more enriching workplaces. So join us for the next half hour or so as the champions unpack what you want to know about this solution. All right, let's get started with introductions. Chetil, we're going to start with you. Who are you, my friend? Hi, my name is Chetil Teigen Hansen. I like to pronounce it in the Norwegian way. Yeah, <laughs> I work at Concha since the last podcast. I changed jobs, but still in the same company. So now I'm a network consultant uh, at Concha Norway, a Cisco Gold Partner. Awesome. All right, Richard, you're up next. What do you do? Hi, folks. Uh, my name is Rich Atkin. I work for a gold partner in the UK called ITGL. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, shameless plug for at UK Rich A. Uh, I spend half my time designing wireless networks and ISC and DNA spaces and DNA center and all that sort of good stuff. And the other half of my time, I lead a, uh, a software development team in, in ITGL and we spend our time uh, playing around with APIs and integrations between one one product and another, generally Cisco products, to uh, to help our customers do more with uh, with those things. Awesome. All right, Lucas, uh, glad to have you with us today. Um, can you tell us more about who you are and what you do at Cisco? You bet. Hey, and uh, thanks for having me on here. So uh, I'm a director of product management on the Cisco DNA Spaces team. Um, you know, I cover everything from our partner ecosystem. Uh, to aspects of our IoT services and uh, location services part of the platform, uh, as well as the kind of newly created uh, smart workspaces offering that we've come out with. Um, been, at, been at Cisco for a little over six years now, uh, and on this team uh, on DNA Spaces for over three years. All right. Well, I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to kick us off with the first question, which is what exactly is Cisco Smart Workspaces? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this quite a bit, but at the at the highest level, Cisco Smart Workspaces is you know something that the team has put together over the past uh, six to nine months. Uh, and what we're essentially doing is you know we've created an offering addressing two categories of use cases. The first one is around hybrid workers and employees, uh, how they're coming back into the office, and when they're at the office, how they're engaging with the space around them. Uh, you know, all this leveraging different parts of Cisco infrastructure and other IoT devices. Um, and then the second experience that, that Cisco Smart Workspaces is addressing is that of IT and facilities uh, as they're trying to understand their space, understand employees in that space, understand different types of environmental, you know, monitoring in that space, uh, and really make better decisions about how their their campuses and their spaces are being used. Um, so, you know, highest level, that's that's what it is and, and what we're trying to address. Cool. So when we talk about 
trying to understand how a how an estate is being used. Can can you talk to some of the particular use cases where we're able to address with smart workspaces? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just give you a, I'll give you two examples. So I'll give you one example of uh, how an employee can can engage with the space as well as maybe that real estate or facilities that facilities person. So uh, within smart workspaces, um, we have different experiences. One of the experience is one of the experiences is around an employee coming into an office. So, uh, you know, Smart Workspaces sits on top of DNA Spaces as a platform. Uh, and in that platform, we do, you know, a few things. One of which is we take in data from Cisco infrastructure and other devices, right? Another piece is something we call Rich Maps, which is essentially taking facility or CAD maps, uh, running them through just a, a, a machine and generating these really aesthetic consumer uh, kind of maps for different experiences. So on the employee side, if I, you know, Lucas coming in to, let's say, Cisco Building 24 for the first time, you know, in eight months, or, or maybe it's, it's I come here every day. So I can walk up to a board, like a WebEx board or some other type of display. I can look and see which conference rooms are open around me. Right? Because we're using WebEx devices to see if people are in there or not. So at a glance, I can say, all these conference rooms are green. I can go to these conference rooms, or all these are red or orange, so they're booked or they're occupied. So that's one way that we're, we're providing insight into the space for the, the employee. On the facilities side, um, you know, Wi-Fi is probably the highest ROI sensor that you can have for space utilization. So part of this is, you know, essentially everyone has wireless in order to have great connectivity experiences for their employees or their visitors. The other thing is wireless access points are typically ubiquitous within the enterprise. So one of the coolest things, and it gives me, like it, it almost gives me chills because the use case is so awesome, is a customer can go in they can essentially turn on DNA spaces on top of their wireless access points. And for this specific use case, we, you know, we support virtually, you know, all access points out there and they can automatically start seeing utilization of their spaces based on people who've connected onto the network, right? So instead of having someone with a clipboard walking around building by building, you can have a hundred buildings. You can see that you know, in building A, you have 50 people. In building, you know, C, you have 25, on and on and on, and, and start getting that insight into how many people are in the spaces and how they're being used. Uh, so, sorry, a, a very, very long answer to, I think, a short question, but I apologize. So, I, on that first, though, your first answer, where you talk about um, using WebEx boards as sensors and being able to interact with smart workspaces on a WebEx board, that's really cool, right? Because for, for me, a lot of the time, uh, DNA Spaces is is sitting there in the background and it's providing services to admins and it's very wireless centric. But this like this is a totally different slant on, on what we've seen from DNA Spaces previously by by branching out. For, and it's no longer just wireless. And we're us using all sorts of things as sensors and and providing a service direct to the end user. That's yeah, it is. It's there's a couple things. So we have been providing services on top of obviously access points uh, on WebEx, on Meraki Video, on different IoT servers, like IoT devices 
Uh, you know, anywhere from like with WebEx, I think we first supported that integration three, two and a half, three years ago uh, to IoT on switching like Catalyst devices about a year and some change ago. So we've been doing this for a long time, but I think this, the very exciting thing for me, for our engineering teams, for our product teams is that we are, like you're saying, we're combining, you know, what we've built in that foundation over the past three years to deliver an outcome to kind of a consumer and to an employee, which, you know, requires a whole different level of, uh, uh, you know, user experience of, of the UI. And, uh, and it's, it's very different from serving like an IT administrator and what they need versus an employee who's just coming into the office to do, you know, another job that's not IT. Yeah, that's cool. And it's awesome that you guys have identified that as well, because so often we see IT systems sort of get finagled to be to become an end user facing system and they're never brilliant. So the fact that you guys have made this deliberately as an end user thing, that's that's awesome. That's really good. Man. Yeah, we do talk about a lot about the, that uh, the sensors, right? So could you tell me a little bit more about the sensors? Uh, because well, I know a lot about them, but probably not all uh, all of our listeners know about all these cool sensors that you have added into different products. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So, you know, let me let me just kind of bucket this into uh, kind of access points into uh, the WebEx devices and then maybe third party like I- IoT devices is yep. my best way to talk through it. So, you know, starting with access points, you know, a bunch of folks are familiar. I described the use case for facilities for space utilization using access points for that Wi-Fi radio is essentially the sensor, right? Very, very powerful. I think, it, you know, everybody should turn that use case on because it's inexpensive and it's high, high ROI. In, in some of our newer access points, we have um, a, an environmental sensor that provides temperature, humidity, air quality. So we'll start bringing that types of data, that type of data into smart workspaces for you know, facilities and for the employees to understand, understand the environment. So that sensor sits in our 9136 access point. And then 9100 and, and uh, newer access points in some of our some of our older access points will have a BLE chip and that enables DNA spaces to essentially communicate with a whole host of other IOT devices, right? So within DNA spaces, we've built an ecosystem. We call it the IOT device marketplace. Uh, we have, I think around 15 vendors, 35 plus devices, and these devices can, you know, differences in form factor, price point, sensors and capabilities. But we have, for instance, a vendor who has a true CO2 sensor that can connect into uh, DNA spaces via our access points, right? Because we've actually put a gateway from the cloud directly on that access point infrastructure to kind of enable that experience. So we have a host of third-party devices that we will be supporting on DNA spaces to supplement uh, or to add new data. Um, and then the, just kind of talk through, and, and that IoT works through access points, so the BLE on the access points, but also on, on some uh, devices for switching. So we'll integrate with wired devices. So if you think of your typical kind of lighting 
vendors, MHT, Molex, who not only do they do lighting, but they also have temperature sensors, PIR sensors. We can pull that in through the catalyst switch. And then that, that last category is around the WebEx devices where you have uh, either the WebEx endpoint, and on that endpoint, they can count the faces in, the, in a room, uh, or they can do other, uh, use other sensors for occupancy. They, they calculate that on the board in the room, so it stays on the device, and they essentially send us a, send us a number of how many people are there. Uh, and then in some of the desk pros, uh, uh, their navigators will also have environmental sensors where we can get air quality, temperature, and humidity. So... Uh, you may not know it, but as you're looking across your infrastructure, you have a lot of data that's just sitting there. And we're just trying to pull that in and use it for something you know that, that has high value. Yeah, it was interesting you saying that because when I first uh, knew about this, I found out that every single WebEx device we had in our office had this that, that sensor. So, so probably many other companies like our office just having all their products just laying there, not using them at all. So the first thing I did, yeah, I want smart workplaces for this office right now. Uh, to So how do we go ahead to start to get this working? Or just to turn it on, a uh, button? Uh, how do you get the maps in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome question. Yeah, and I just want to make one, one real quick point. Uh, is that that what you just said around we have this stuff in our office already like we already have this equipment I think when you look at when you look at the solutions from a total cost of ownership and your return on investment that's when this becomes even more uh, interesting uh, again because the infrastructure has already been purchased or you're, or you're going to purchase it for other types of use cases and we can just sit on top of that. So I think that's just like a point I just continue to kind of pound is that like leverage what you have. Now, from the perspective of how do you get started? Uh, so generally with smart workspaces, um, it will, you know, you work with, uh, you can work with your Cisco teams or your partner. Uh, from, a, from a spaces platform perspective, uh, we have a lot of documentation. We actually have a lot of customers uh, over 50% who actually turn on spaces by themselves, right? So you can by yourself or with your partners, um, go in there and uh, essentially take a look at the documentation. We have a really small VM. It's a, it's a, you know, a two CPU, uh, two gig C, uh, uh, virtual machine that sits on the premise. It connects to the Catalyst controller or the access point. Uh, brings data into DNA spaces. We also have cloud integrations with Meraki and WebEx to bring data in there. Uh, but customers can get started pretty quickly. And then on the map side, uh, we, will be, we will be introducing the ability to take these maps and put them into the dashboard. So the DNA spaces dashboard. So you upload your CAD files, uh, typically comes from facilities, upload them into the dashboard. It runs through the process that could take you know, say 48 to 36 hours to come through it, and then it'll come back to you and you can start using those for smart workspaces. So we're trying to, you know, from the spaces perspective, you know, what what is kind of first and foremost in our minds is how can we productize these surfaces, services to reduce the effort kind of obviously like on our team, but on the customer as well, so that it's easier to stand things up. Because my dream, I tell you, my dream would be 
you can sign up for, you know, you, you just, you sign up for uh, a trial, you drag and drop your CAD mock map into the platform, it spits it back out, and, and you can get it all started, you know, in a matter of, of hours, right? Instead of what, what, what happens is, is it takes a lot longer, I, I think, because all of, all of our networks are, you know, I think every, every network's a corner case, in a sense, where everybody has their own individual problems, but I, I'm rambling a little bit, so I'll stop. Yeah, but I, I seen the the maps. They look they look like really beautiful. So from turning the CAD that file that I have into that, it's uh, yeah, it looks really cool. So uh, yeah, and it's a it's a pretty cool process. So essentially, you know, a map. So we we work with facilities, and uh, typically, you know, I think in min- most cases, in all cases, the facilities teams or the real estate teams are going to be the source of truth. Uh, in, in these things called the IWMS, the, the workspace management system. And we, we bring that into the pipeline and the, the technology breaks it down in the code, right? So you just get, you just, from that map, you're getting a code base, you know, some type of GeoJSON. Uh, and we build that up. So we're building the map from this code. And if you give me a map of Cisco, like of all our infrastructure, I can tell you based on that CAD file how many conference rooms we have, how many desks we have, you know, how many, like all this, all these different objects, you can start, you know, no one's doing it by eye or, you know, by hand. It all becomes automated and, and everything's programmatic. No, that's great because so that customers don't need to use, use several hours just fine tuning the map themselves. And I, the other point was about how easy it is to get going. So I, you know, I've built a whole bunch of um, DNA spaces tenants and got the got the connector out there, and it really is dead easy. It's a tiny little VM, like getting your VM to talk to some controllers and and to the portal and what have you. It's what it's an IP address and some credentials. Like it's super easy. To, I totally agree with what you're saying about people can just do it on their own, really pretty easily. It's, yeah. Um, have one in, in my Nook, Richard. So I just use it like 22 megahertz or something, usually, <laughs> by two controllers. It's super lightweight, it's dead easy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think you guys have done a bang up job with that. One, uh, one other piece on that is when, when DNA Spaces kind of came about, so if you look at our history, uh, July Systems was acquired, so it was an, ac- an acquisition happened, um, you know, it was right as I came on board, so. This is a, it's a date I should know. I think it's fall 2019. Anyways, a little over three years ago. And, you know, generally in what the industry has is essentially the, on, the appliance on-prem, right? So CMX, MSC, uh, REST-based APIs. And what our customers were running up against was, I think, t- just three big things, right? So scale was a huge limitation. I mean, I, I think when I started, we had so many uh, customers coming to talk about us because the IoT devices are blowing up. Devices are just blowing up on the customer's premise. And, you know, the on-prem appliances are kind of bound and constrained by the hardware that they have, right? So we talk about the, the connector, and a lot of that is how can we build something that scales really well? And I've had zero interactions with customers about scale and all this data coming in on, on this DNA Spaces model. I think the second piece was the monitoring and support. So if you look at the, again, kind of 
the on-prem world, you know, that, that adheres to a hardware product management type of life cycle. So, you know, if we want to change, if a customer provides us feedback today, you know, that change may get out there in a quarter, two quarters, three quarters. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast, right? The, the new model enables us to deploy changes onto connectors, obviously with the customer, uh, with their permission, with them understanding what's happening, but, you know, within a week, right, or sooner than that. So the support model, and we keep a heartbeat of all that. So, so this third thing I want to talk about was, you know, we, I constantly came into contact with customers that had this, this, this kind of on-prem model where they would... They would hook that up to, let's say, a partner application, and the data would stop for two, three months at a time. Nobody's watching it. They come back to it, at, you know, at the end of the year, and and they'd say, "Where's all my stuff?" So I think another benefit when we come into this kind of this cloud-based model is that our support team, our knock, is always watching. So a heartbeat from the controller, a heartbeat from the connector. Obviously, our cloud services are being monitored. And even the partners we work with are providing us a heartbeat of their app, right? And like a, if you think of Stanley, they're a good, they're a really good uh, uh, example of this where, you know, they're running like life critical applications like infant monitoring. And so what we have is, you know, we monitor every part of the services and their app is sending a heartbeat into our cloud. And so if anything happens, we send off emails, of course, to the customer, to Stanley, proactive notifications, uh, as well as like we're working and seeing if the problem and, and we can quickly see where the problem is. So we're not pointing fingers at one another. So I, I think this is when you when you look at location services and IoT services, you know, the bright and shiny objects like smart workspaces, what people are touching and engaging with or the cool new sensor we have, like what type of data is that giving us? What can we build? It's like these underlying aspects of a well-performing, a well-maintained uh, system that, that we've also improved on, right? So that we can actually help support and deliver these use cases that our customers are asking for. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really important that people understand that, that DNA Spaces not only provides benefit in its own right through things like smart works, workspaces, but, but also is essentially like a data broker and lets you stream all of that data you've been gathering to all sorts of third parties. You mentioned Stanley uh, being one of them, and and uh, I have worked with MazeMap, and there's a whole bunch of of third parties in your in in the Cisco marketplace and the DNA um, spaces marketplace that that allow that allow you to really easily integrate all that data that you've been pulling out of your network and and do more with it. I think I think that's that's awesome. The fact that like. It would be really easy for Cisco to just hang on to that data, right, and say, "Yep, it's our data, and we've collected it, and we're the only ones that get to use it." But, but by but by opening it up and by by providing like a brokerage, you that data becomes much more valuable because because of all of, all of that ecosystem of, of, of third parties and, and all of their all of their deliverables as well. Um, I, I think that's really powerful, and that certainly resonates with my customers. Like I say, Stanley being one of them, Mazemap being another. There. The things those companies deliver are like tangible, real benefits to to customers, and DNA Spaces powers that. That's all. So I get I get off my soapbox now. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I uh, just saw 
I, I, sorry if I'm talking too much here, but I think the, the partner ecosystem on spaces is, so I mentioned July system was an acquisition. You know, they were like a partner of CMX, right? They, they were a partner of Cisco's. So after the acquisition, one thing that the team was extremely passionate about was how do we make the ecosystem more successful, right? Because I, I do think like on the partner side, the pie can be really big, you know, and, and everyone can have a slice, uh, but who can enable that? And I think Cisco has a, you know, we're best positioned to grow a location services ecosystem and IOT services ecosystem purely due to the strength we have in the market and, you know, the respect that the brand has. So it's, it's extremely important to us for our app partners to be successful because let's face it, we can't build everything our apps have. Like these are whole businesses dedicated to specific use cases and they should be able to do it extremely well. And like what our team should do is enable them, right? Enable them to provide their services. And that's definitely uh, what we have, what, what, what's, what we do uh, execute on. I, yeah, I agree. I think you, you do execute on that. And that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Also, those into those those, those same integrations that that MazeMap and Stanley and all the others consume, like they're available for you as a user as well, right? So, you're a, you're a, you're a hospital, a university, a bank, whatever. If you've got your own use case to, to hoover up all that data and do your own thing with it, you can use all the same integrations that that all of those ecosystem partners can that all of those that all of those ecosystem partners use to to build your own applications. And um, like nothing is nothing is hidden or prevented in any in any way um and we we've done some of that stuff internally right building out little custom things for some of our customers and um it's a it's fantastic the, the rate at which data comes out of it is phenomenal as well uh which takes a bit of engineering to handle but yeah it's, it's a fantastic capability we uh we call it the fire hose api for a reason because it, <laughs> right. it is a fire hose of data I haven't used the the API from DNA Spaces, but I do have DNA Spaces my personal at home. But I just pull the data directly from the access point, for example, to monitor where I'm sitting right now, for example. I can watch for a five second interval to see how the humidity, the temperature, the TVOC, everything is concealed almost live from my room. So my question here is that the data that's been sent to DNA Spaces, is that as fast as one second, five second? Is this a streaming telemetry thing? Is it live, like really live from the device? Yes. Yeah, so it's generally going to be streaming, right? It's uh, Okay, cool. I think we'll, we'll get data. There's uh, We'll get it as soon as it's produced in, I think, virtually all cases. And within our pipeline, uh, you know, if we're doing a location computation might take a little longer because it has to go through the the pipeline if we're decoding telemetry essentially no no issue there um so yeah uh virtually instantaneous and that's a uh, i think that brings up another point is on the partner side and on the ecosystem side you know on the devices with devices we've done a lot of work to incorporate different vendors and, and different kind of partners there. And just, you, you know, for the reason is that when we deploy a gateway from the cloud, like from the spaces cloud onto, let's say a, a 9120 access point, the benefits for a customer customer can be like extremely 
like a, a lot of cost savings because let's let's say you know the, the essentially the problem statement was this uh, we went out spoke to a lot of customers they said hey Lucas when we you know when we deploy a use case let's say we deploy asset tracking um, that that means we got to get a device we need a gateway to talk to that device and then there's an app that's talking to that gateway right so you have this proprietary stack this technology stack and nothing really can engage like interface with that stack so if that customer a month later wants to do uh room occupancy with pir sensors for instance that's its own device its own gateway its own app right and now i want to do navigation well that's a whole nother technology stack so what we ran up against with our customers was essentially they're deploying proprietary stacks to solve for one or two use cases in their environment. And that became really expensive from a deployment perspective, from a simple cost perspective, pulling, you know, installing gateways, pulling cables, and then supporting all these solutions. So on the on, on devices, the model that we've built is essentially any device can provide data to any app, right? So if I pull in a PIR vendor who's, who's doing, we can do room occupancy with that, uh, that PIR device can be deployed into the kind of the catalyst DNA spaces uh, environment. And then whether it's a customer, it could be MazeMap, it could be Basking, they can all access the data from that one PIR device or the set of PIR devices that are providing occupancy data, right? So I think like another way that we are trying to address challenges for customers is to, you know, take these, the, the Cisco infrastructure and create a middleware from it so that our customers can work with multiple devices, multiple applications at the same time. And they don't have to, you know, they don't have to like go into these processes of deploying a bunch of gateways from a bunch of vendors and it becomes a mess. So we're trying to simplify that. I think the simplification stuff is awesome. Um, one of the one of the bits of feedback we've had from from one of our customers is is that their estates teams will often go out and deploy these IoT solutions, and one will get deployed one year, and another one will get deployed another year, and then all of a sudden there's this mess of stuff. It's deployed across the access layer. It's not really known about as far as IT are concerned, so therefore not necessarily patched effectively or secured very well, and then and then these same IT teams are also trying to get themselves through PCI compliance certifications and, 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 and cyber essentials. And all of these things require you to like, know what's in your estate, manage it, secure it. And, and you can't, right? You, you're, you're fighting with, with almost both hands tied behind your back as people just plugging stuff into your network. So, so, uh, so I got a whole bunch of customers that are really excited about the fact that A, they can consolidate all of that stuff into one space. And, and it's an IT driven space, right? It's a Cisco driven space. So they can be they can be very certain that, that they've got visibility of it and that they've got a support contract against it and that they can manage it and, and keep it keep it secure over time. Um, which is it's not something like I don't think I realized the scale of this problem like a year ago when I was just get when I was just getting into IoT stuff. Like you hear people talking about the horror stories of IoT and you just assume it's internet chat, but like there are people out there plugging in everything into your network. And um, and uh, yeah, it's scary, man. So that like the that, that ability to consolidate it all and, and to to wrap it all up in inside a inside a single product is awesome, and it's definitely going to fix issue, like real issues for customers. 
I think that's powerful. I'm, I've been talking a lot, so I'm just say I agree. I have a bunch of stories <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah, I'd also agree. I, I would like to have uh, have like an uh, like a student having an app, going to school, going to find a room. Like, don't go in here. the The humidity is bad. Like getting a warning on the sign when I enter the room that the humi- that uh, the TVOC sensor reports like a really high value. So don't go in here. It's uh, you can faint. Yes, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> so you have the data, right? So uh, if the, if some like what I'm trying to say, if do we get any alarms? If something severe like the sensors, the TVOC sensor reports like a value that is unhealthy. Will somebody get an alarm or is it manual work to look for it and who can access it? So we do have a, we have a couple of applications that uh, are going through uh, essentially like a beta process right now. Uh, in, in these apps, they're geared towards a facilities uh, person or real estate or IT, right? So they will have the ability to alert when, when certain thresholds are met whether high or low on, you know, temperature, humidity, TVOC, uh, those types of things. So that is coming. And with our integrations APIs, like keep in mind, you know, all this data is available. So if anybody wanted to go out and kind of recreate the smart workspaces product or, or build their app, it's all available through the Firehose API as well. So um, yeah, we'll have that native, uh, but, also, if we have partners or third parties who want to build that capability out, that's, uh, that's available and, and certainly feasible. All right. Well, um, one last question for you, Lucas. Are there anything, is there anything that we didn't ask you? Any last comments or points that you'd like to make before we close out today? I think, the, uh, I think Richard brought it up is the ability to bridge the, the, the requirements of IT with the requirements of the business is that is a, you know, that's a bridge in Cisco parlance. That's a bridge that we want to build, right? That's, and I think it's very critical for the overall success and scale of these different types of outcomes that our customers are trying to achieve. So uh, that's just one other thing to keep in mind as, as you're going out there and, and you're working with, you know, different parts of the business to deliver these outcomes is, that's a that's a place where spaces fits uh, in order to help uh, bridge IT and other parts of the business to to deliver outcomes at scale, at a low cost, uh, keeping it running uh, and maintaining the uptime. So that's all, and uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciated speaking with you. It was a pleasure to have you. All right, everybody. Um, if you want to continue your journey and learn more about the solution, check out the links provided in the show notes below. And of course, I have to give you your weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. 